So there's a few sayings on Easter. Andy already gave it to you that I might just kind of drop throughout the sermon today. And the first one is, he is risen. Okay. Now, if you're here and you're just visiting, you've never heard a church do that. You're probably thinking these people are crazy, and it's a bit true. Okay. So um, it's just something. I don't even know where it began. I didn't grow up in church. I got saved in college. And I just remember going to Easter services where any time the pastor said he is risen, it was like mandatory. You didn't say it. You guys already missed. Um, so any time that he said it, it was like this, this power move, and that's why I became a pastor. Um, but we started another tradition, and this one's kind of some of the younger bucks uh, love this one a little more. Um, and we do a thing where we say, who's the man? Jesus! And so that's a thing here, too. Uh, so I'm trying to get all the weird Christian stuff we do out on the front end. Uh, and so you really just hear the beauty of the gospel as we continue to move through it. So what is today? Like, wh why this moment? Why, uh, why do people gather? Why is this the most attended kind of church day across, uh, literally, not just our country, but the world every year? Today we remember and we celebrate that Jesus Christ, who we believe is God in the flesh, who came to this earth, who lived a perfect life that you and I could never live, right? That that guy went to the cross, but today, right, on Friday he died, but on Sunday he defeated death. Right? On Sunday a stone was rolled away and his body was gone. Jesus of Nazareth, a real human being, was no longer dead. Now we often hear this story so often even just within our culture. It's not necessarily something just in the church. This is something we know as, as kind of the West or, or America. The gospel is still somewhat prevalent in some of the ideologies. And so we know, you know this is Easter is the day that the Christians claim that a human being rose from the dead. And that is just exactly what we believe. And I want to start off with this on the front end, that if you're here... If you can wrap your mind around that reality, even, even Paul, who writes the letter that we'll talk about today, says that without the resurrection, our faith is just foolish, right? But with the resurrection, our faith is everything and makes sense and is required to be followed. And so as we wrestle with this truth today, these testimonies, um, man, I, I would love for you just to begin to consider, like, could the resurrection be true? If you're here and you're Christian, I mean, is the resurrection true enough that it motivates and shapes and moves all of my life, right? Not just Sunday from 10 to 11.30, one time a year, but as a Christian, does it actually cause a motivated change and movement and trajectory to live like this man did? That's the desire for today. And so that's why everyone gathers. And if you're wondering kind of who we are, Redemption Church, man, we've been here in the city for about five years. This is our sixth, no, fifth, fifth, fifth Easter service? I can't say Easter, Easter service. And, uh, and man, Every time we have the opportunity to gather and to do this moment and this service, there are many people in the room who fall in love with Jesus for the first time. And I'm not going to lie to you. I will be unabashed that if you're here and you showed up not loving Jesus, you need to know that all of our staff have been praying that you love Jesus by the time you leave. Okay? Like it's just something we do because we think it's true and we think it's that good. So... That being said, let's continue to move on. If you were here with us on Good Friday, what we did, and you'll see this little Bible, and I'll read from it a little bit more later today, is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it's a Bible that I read to my son, Finley. This is actually his copy. I, asked, I said, Finley, hey, man, can I use your Bible today on stage? And he said, I'll allow it, right? <laughs> he's, he's three. I was like, Joel, I bought that, son. Like, I, you're not going to eat tonight. And so, um, and so, like, I asked, hey, can I borrow this? And, and so on Good Friday, what we did is we're always trying to, hey, let's take a fresh look on Good Friday 
on the cross because, man, the cross is something beautiful, but it's, again, it's a story that we often know. And so how do we look at the cross in a fresh way? And so what we tried to do is look at the cross through the lens of a child. And so all the scriptures that we used on Friday night were from the Jesus Storybook Bible. We did uh, kind of part of the story, and then we did some singing, and we did part of the story and some singing, and part of the story and some singing. And we landed, the last little passage that we read from the Jesus Storybook Bible was when the tomb was being covered up by the stone, Right? And Jesus is now trapped behind there. There's no way to get out because he's dead. Okay? And so that's, that's where we left the story. And I will finish today by reading the rest of it from the Jesus Storybook Bible. But we want to talk a little bit about Good Friday and a little bit about what Anthony preached two weeks ago. Because we cannot understand the depths of today without understanding the depths of Friday. Right? That, that this, this day is not that great unless Friday is true. Okay? And so let me read the text that Anthony preached on uh, a couple weeks ago. And he said this, or well, Paul said this in his letter that Anthony preached. Verse 1 of, of Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, imagine if Paul, who writes this letter, writes this part of the Bible, if his letter stopped there, right? Like, hey, church in Ephesus, let me tell you something. What I honestly believe about you, you're just a bunch of sin-filled, Satan-following, wrath-coming sons of disobedience. And said, happy Easter, right? Like, have a good day. This is your reality. See, but the letter doesn't stop there, but I want us to take a moment and stop there and just reflect for a second. Because what Paul, this, this guy, I'm going to talk about more of him in just a moment, what he's trying to communicate to the church in Ephesus is like, listen, you were dead. Like, there was nothing great about you. You didn't earn what's about to come. That you were outside and disobedient to God. And as such, you, were, you and I, all of us, were filled with sin and brokenness and shame. We don't treat people like the way we know we should treat people. We don't treat ourselves the way we know we should treat ourselves oftentimes. And so in the midst of that, there was an impending wrath that was over all those outside of him. Okay. This is the reality of what had to occur on Friday. Is that someone had to live a perfect life. And someone had to die. And Jesus didn't want it to be any of you. Okay. Like, and just think about that. Like, someone had to die, a penalty had to be paid, and Jesus didn't want that to be over you, so he put it on himself. That's what Friday is all about. But we have to understand the depths of what happened on Friday, because Sunday then comes and becomes this beautiful thing, right? this amazing thing that's true about this world. Now, um, about 100 years ago, there was an author named G.K. Chesterton, a uh, brilliant guy. If you haven't read any of his stuff, I highly encourage you to do it. But he was a British author, uh, kind of philosopher of the time. And at that time, a British newspaper, they sent out uh, kind of a, uh, like this one question, because they're trying to do this op-ed for their, for their newspaper, and said, hey, we need to answer this one question. They sent it to all these authors. They sent it to all these philosophers. And the question is, what is wrong with the world today? And they got a flood of response. And a lot of different things that, man, if I were to ask you guys that question this morning, you'd have a lot of answers you could send my way too. But G.K. Chesterton just penned one quick letter, and it just said, Dear Sirs, I am sincerely J.K. Chesterton. And that was it. That was the whole letter. What's wrong with the world? Me. Like, my, my selfishness. 
my desire to please me over you, over my wife, over my kids. It's, it's me. I, I'm part of the problem. We corporately, man, we hurt. Look at the world today. It's tough to look at the news today and say, yeah, no, we're all pretty good. Dear sirs, I am. I fear that what we've landed in a culture is not, dear sirs, I am. It's, dear sirs, they are. Sincerely, me. Right? What's the problem with this world? Them. That group over there that doesn't think like I think. Right? What's wrong with the world? Those people. That ideology. Not mine. Not me. How could I dare believe that there could be something wrong with me? And that type of belief, which it has become very pervasive within our culture, man, I'm going to tell you right now, if you buy into that, you're buying into a false gospel. You're buying into a story that completely contradicts everything we'll teach today. And it's going to make it really tough for you to wrap your mind around why Easter is so beautiful. We needed Friday, and we need today, because the world was lost, because the world was broken. So, um, let me ask this, (coughs) excuse me. <clears throat> if I, who do I want to pick on? Edwin? Why don't you stand up, Edwin? Real quick, my man. Yeah, yeah, get on up. All right. The reason why I'm making Edwin stand today is because Edwin's wearing pants. Y'all, a lot of y'all don't know our community, but it could be like literally negative six. This guy's got a sweatshirt, a Patagonia, a beanie, a face mask, and soccer shorts. Like, it's just, it's crazy. And so, Ed, let me ask you a question. Um, if, I, if you owed me a billion dollars, right? Yeah. You did some stuff, okay? And I said, hey, man, no big deal. It's clear. How much, how much would you love me? A lot, right? I mean, like, a decent amount, right? It'd be pretty simple. Sit down. Okay. Okay, here we go. Jim Dalton, stand on up, buddy. Hey, bud. Hey, Jim. Now, wow, less claps for Jim. There's that's, that's a, a fireman right there, guys. You better have saved your house. Um, Jim, if I said uh, you owed me a Cheez-It and I forgave your Cheez-It debt, how much would you love me? One Cheez-It, right? Not that much, right? Like, it's not that big a deal. You can sit. That's, that's it. <laughs> the importance of talking about and understanding the depths of our sin is because we will revere and love the forgiver and the one who has paid our debt all the more, the more we realize how much we've been forgiven. If you just kind of have this, like, cheese it view of yourself, like, ah, it's no big deal. He didn't die for that much. It's like, all right, well, Jesus, thanks for what you did. But, man, we come to Friday, we come to this weekend, we do the rest of our life like, hey, I'll pop in, I'll pop out because it's not that big a deal. I don't need to revere him and give everything because it's not like he needed to forgive me of that much. But when you believe for the depths of you that you lost, man, you owned a billion dollars, right? You own this depth of depravity, this weight of sin and wrath. And yet all that was transferred on our Savior. It moves us to service and to reverence and to love, and it makes Easter Sunday all the more important. Okay. And so I want to start there, but listen, you're, if you guys really, it doesn't end there. The story continues. The letter from Paul to the Ephesian church continues. Okay. 
And Paul, if you don't know him, Paul is the guy who authors this letter. If you're not familiar with the Bible, there's 66 books or letters in the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And one of these letters was written by this guy, Paul, who used to be the greatest persecutor of the Christian church. Like when the church began to blow up about 2,000 years ago, this guy was going out murdering Christians. Like that's what he was doing. And he has this conversion moment where he's confronted with the resurrected Jesus on his way to kill more Christians. And then he begins to pen most of the New Testament part of your Bible, constantly calling people to hope and to repentance and to grace and love. And if there's anything that is a fantastic apologetic for why the resurrection is true, look at Paul's life, right? And here's the thing, if you came here with a friend, right, that invited you to church or something like that, and that's why you're here this morning, look at their lives, like that they've been redeemed and that they've been saved some people, right, it's just like, wow, I can't believe that person ever became a Christian, right? I, get, I, mean, I got that. Like, I remember kind of some reunion time was coming around from my high school, and people found out I was a Christian, and they're like, man, you're a Christian? And that's an apologetic for the resurrection. It has to be true. And that's what we get in Paul's life. And so let's continue through here in his letter. And we're going to look at three different things that now happened to us because Easter Sunday happened and the story did not end on Friday. One, we're saved. Second, we're raised. And three, we're graced. And so verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to begin. But first, I'd like to pass out some Bibles. And so if you want a Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love for you to follow along with us. We pass them out every single week. And so don't feel weird about this. Just slip your hand up. We'd love for you to, to follow along with us. Don't be weird. Just take one. Okay? And I'll let them go, and then I'll start reading. All right. Oh, thanks. Here's what's funny about this is I'm doing Whole30. I know. Can I have these? But then some. Is it really? Is like God will consecrate it? Um, I'm more nervous. It's going to be clacking around in my mouth while you guys are... Does it sound that bad? Do I sound that bad? Um, I might try one in a bit. Okay, so verse 4, Ephesians chapter 2. Again, keep your, uh, your hands up if you want a Bible. They'll come by. It says this, but God, okay? But God, maybe the two greatest words in all of your Bibles, but God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, which we just learned, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We are a saved people in Christ because of Easter Sunday, right? Those who have faith and are in Christ, who love Jesus, who see him as Lord, are now saved. Now, this word is kind of a weird word sometimes in the, in the church world. There was even a movie, I don't know if, if some of you are old enough, that Mandy Moore from, uh, what's that show she's in now? This Is Us. Mandy Moore from This Is Us used to be in a movie called Saved, and it was just like an hour and a half of just mocking Christianity. Um, and I wasn't a Christian when it first came out, so I thought it was brilliant, okay? But it's this idea of just save. Save from what? Like, you need to save me. I remember dating this girl in high school who was a devout believer, maybe not devout enough because she was dating me, but she's still, like, <laughs> devout believer, loved Jesus. Uh, and I would always just be like, oh, are you going to save me today, Jackie? Is that what you're going to do? Because she would come back from her classes. Are you going to save me, you know? And uh, that relationship didn't last very long. Um, and it was so funny that when she found out that I was a Christian, she's like, remember all that crap you gave me? And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so this whole saved reality, saved from what, right? Okay, there's this impending wrath that is upon those 
who are filled with sin and have not experienced forgiveness. There is a destination, there is a direction, there is a movement going this way away from God and unto an eternity away from Him, right? And God says, no, I'm going to do something that's going to allow this to happen, a turning and a movement towards Him into a different destination in eternity. We have been saved because of Easter Sunday. Notice we've been, what, raised with Christ. We'll talk more about the specifics of that moment. But because he is raised, we have now been saved. We can experience new life. We're saved people. Now, um, this idea of, of but God, which I alluded to just a few minutes ago, every time you open up your Bible and you get an opportunity to see those two words, you need to stop, you need to pray, you need to thank God. Because it's usually what precedes that is a whole bunch of stuff about you, and then God comes in and does something amazing, right? But God, right? No, no, this is a hard thing to sometimes wrap our minds around because we're used to kind of the other side of things. The quotes we normally hear is like, well, you're, you know, like, if, uh, hear this, uh, husband or wife, if your, uh, if your spouse comes to you and says, you know, babe, you're just, you're amazing, and I love you so much, and you've just done so much today, and I'm just so grateful, but... That's what you're used to, right? It's kind of this like compliment on the front end and then this back end request that you're probably not going to like, okay? Used to that. Or if you're getting broken up with, you're used to hearing something like, you know, it's not you, it's me, right? It's not you, it's me. It's like, I, God's like, no, it's you, right? <laughs> God's like, you know, why did we break up? Because you. God did nothing in the garden to push humanity away. Humanity said, no, thank you, and gives God the Heisman, right? says, no thanks, I'm going to go do my thing in disobedience. It's you. And so in, that midst, in the midst of all that, God says, no, no, even though it's you, I will reach out and pull you back to myself through the life, death, and resurrection of my son Christ, the perfect spotless lamb, which we celebrate this weekend. We're a saved people, which is phenomenal. Now, how are we saved, does it say? Sorry, i got to keep doing this, but mercy and grace motivated by love made possible by this weekend. Mercy and grace through love because of this weekend. Mercy. Mercy simply means, man, you deserve to get something, and then God said no. We deserve wrath, okay? We deserve disconnection, and yet God says no. Grace. You didn't deserve love. You didn't deserve him, right? You didn't deserve, and, and let, me, let me, even when I say that, it sounds like I'm being like so melodramatic. You deserve love in the sense that everyone in this room and everyone in this world, please hear this, is created in the image of God and has intrinsic beauty and value and requires other human beings to honor that in each other. But you do not deserve the love of God. You do not deserve for Him to save you. You do not deserve for him to hang on the cross and look down upon his attackers and say, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. But he does anyway. That's what grace is, okay? So mercy and grace, motivated by love, through and enacted what's happened this weekend, okay? John 3.16, very famous, right? The Tebow verse, okay? For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay. Made possible by what we celebrate this weekend. Okay. So let's keep going. We've not just been saved. Okay. 
Our GPS hasn't just been rerouted, okay? But there's been more going on. The next verse, verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You have been raised in Christ. Because he's been raised, you can be raised unto new life. Again, remember, we were dead in our trespasses, so God saves us from that impending death, okay? Then he says, you know what? In the midst of that, let me raise you up that who you were, you will no longer be because you'll be in me. You'll have new life. So that means, listen, that means you're not defined by the past. You're not defined by all of these actions that maybe you think, man, I guess I'll go to church today, but God's probably not too happy with me because I haven't been since last Easter type of stuff, okay? You know, you're not defined by that. Your past does not shape and define you because your identity is not in that old life, but in this new life, this new man that has been raised with Christ. Can I get an amen in the house? Okay? Listen, I'm going to be honest. A lot of you guys don't know me. I I enjoy a good amen, okay? Like, if you hear something, you're like, yeah, let me get an amen in there. Great, I love it. If you disagree, just be quiet. But I'm just saying, you know, like, (laughs) if you're feeling an amen, just go ahead. Get it in there. We've been raised with Christ. We have new life. All that we were, we don't have to be anymore. You still look the same, right? You're still the same person, but you're new. Now, there's this illustration I talked to Verity about, <laughs> about using, and she said, I said, what do you think? She goes, well, that's good for the 90s. And uh, I was like, wow, okay, love you too. Uh, I was like, man, it's Easter, you know. Um, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so I was watching, uh, anybody who, Planet Earth fans? Anybody watch that show? That's just a good show, right? You got to watch that and think like, hey, there, hey, there it is, all right. It's just like, Jesus raised from death, nothing. Planet Earth, amen. Uh, oh, okay. Wow. I'm going to work on some discipleship stuff, Jess. Um, so Planet Earth, man, I, I love watching that show. It's, and what's great about it is, is me and my son Finley, you know, he's, he's three and a half, and so he loves, like, PJ Masks and, and uh, what's the other one, uh, Goldie and Bear and some of this other stuff. And we're like, man, you got to watch a little bit less of this. And so we got him on Planet Earth from time to time. He loves it, man, just loving seeing the animals and all this stuff. And so we were watching it again because Planet Earth 2 just came out. Um, but, and it made me think, going back to Planet Earth 1, there's this scene where you actually get to watch the transformation of a caterpillar, Right? And if you guys have never watched this, it's both amazing and disgusting all at the same time. Like at one point in the process, the caterpillar literally like eats itself, okay? Like it devolves into itself and then creates something new. And so the caterpillar, think about his life, right? He's just kind of walking along on one of his 16 legs, okay, slowly. When he comes out of the thing, his whole job in life is to just eat, right? It's a really gr- <laughs> amen, right? And so that's his whole deal. Like, I just got to eat because I got something coming. He doesn't even know what it is yet. But he's like, I think I'm supposed to eat. And so he starts eating and he's crawling along. Eventually, right, he gets to this moment where it's time. They will grow, I think it's something like 50 times their initial birth size before they go into their little transformation state. So they, they get into this and caterpillars will hang from a tree and they start literally like shedding an outer layer of themselves and then like literally like taking their insides and wrapping themselves in it, Okay to create this cocoon that begins to harden. Now, imagine you're a caterpillar. You had just looked at the mirror right before transformation, okay? Like, that's not very nice, okay? And then you take a nap, okay? And then you wake up from that nap a few days later, and you go to stretch one of your 16 legs, 
And all of a sudden, out pops out this. <laughs> and you're like, shut up! <laughs> and you just begin to fly, right? <laughs> it's a little 90s. It's a little 90s, I get it. And you catch a mirror, and it's like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe I use this. Um, and you're like, I'm different. I'm new. Like, it, it, listen, like, that's, it's still the same entity. It's still the same being. It probably still has the same thoughts. I don't know how it all works, right? But it's different. It's a new creation. It has a new identity. Listen, if you, I mean, this is very, very important because this is secured by what happens and what we celebrate in the resurrection today. That if you're here and you're a Christian, you are not what you were. Okay, now listen, I don't know all of your past. I know mine and I praise the Lord I'm not where I was. Not because I was just like terrible, just going around beating up everybody and just, just the awfulest person. I know the inward struggle of my heart. I knew that I always chose me over other people. And there's no way I could be the husband that I know God and I want to be for my wife in the old version of me. And and I know there's no way in the old version of me I could be the father to the sons that I have right now. And there's no way that I could be in the old version of me, the pastor that hopefully cares about serving this city, blessing this city, and seeing transformation happen, not for our kingdom, but for God's kingdom, his glory, and the joy of our town. Some of you still live in the shame of your past. And you're still tethered to this vision of this old person that you were. And man, I, I get it. We, Anthony, the rest of the staff, man, we get to meet with a lot of you. And so much of man, I see the tears and I see the pain and I see the hurt and the returning to the brokenness. And part of me just wants to shake it up and say, no, that's not who you are. It's not always the best tactic. <laughs> but listen, if you're here and you're a Christian, you are new. And hear me, that newness didn't just happen once. It happens continuously this side of heaven until full glorification in eternity. So it's, it's not like, hey, well, I got saved six years ago and I was made new, but man, I've built up a whole bunch of junk in the last six years. No, no, no. That newness is not about you. That newness what, is tied to and tethered to the raising up of Christ Jesus, who is perfect and alive. And so because of Easter Sunday, your newness is continual. And when God sees you, he sees his son. And he sees his daughter. And he sees a family that he has adopted in regardless, okay, of what's there. Raised with Christ. Now, we're raised, and it says this, listen, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but Jesus now reigns from heaven. It says at the right hand of God, Jesus reigns over the whole world with authority and goodness. And now we have been raised to come alongside him and to be his vice regents in blessing this world. 
in the same way that Jesus is meant to dispense love, grace, mercy, justice, and truth over the world. We too now walk in that, Christian. That means that this side of heaven, we are to go and to be Christ to the world. So, so listen, and I want, I want to go back. The push for us to try and get you into church, right? And again, doesn't have to be here. It does not have to do with us or having more people in this room next time, okay? It has to do with the Christian church has been given a responsibility to be a blessing and a gift to our world, and too often we're not. And so for those who say that they love Jesus, who would call him Lord, who would say, yes, I'm a Christian, the push to come to church and to be involved in a community is let us or let another body help you live out the faithfulness of the gospel. Because it's really hard to do by, it's, listen, it's really hard to do in this context, let alone floating off by yourself. To live faithful lives to the callings of Christ requires the community of Christ that he has brought together that we would be his people in the world. Now we also are seated with him as a foreshadow of the coming eternity where we will not just be raised with him in this life but raised with him forever. And that's coming. We don't know when, but that's coming. And I don't want to sell you short. Listen, like, eternity is a real thing. Heaven is a real thing. Hell is a real thing. And it is promised to those in him to spend eternity with him in a place that, man, we try and talk about, we try and characterize, but I guarantee you we never scratch the surface of the perfection and the beauty that heaven will be. All of this because of what we celebrate today. Okay? Because of Easter weekend. This stuff is made possible, listen, for all of humanity. Now, we've been saved, we've been raised. The good news continues, verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are graced by God. What is his desire? Why has he done all this? That man, in the so it says right for them, right, in the coming ages, that's like now, so for us right now, that we would experience the depth of the immeasurable riches of the grace of God now. We are a graced people in Christ because he's been raised. Now, as ruler and authority over this world, he dispenses his immeasurable riches upon the world. Lord, let us see them. Yet too often, and I, listen, I am public enemy number one here, right? I chase after the immeasurable riches I think this world has promised me. So I chase after status and security and money and power and all these things, right, that we clamor for, even like when we wouldn't even use those words, right? Like how often do you say, well, I, I just long for power. It just sounds very like pinky in the brain <laughs> meets like uh, Dr. Evil. Don't say that. But man, I tell you, we, you and I, we clamor for that. I'll tell you, you know when you clamor for it? When you're in an argument and you won't lose. That's you fighting for power. Let me be right, let me win. And so when we, we say these are the riches that the world has to offer, we can have all of these things, and they always fail. They never can bear the weight of our expectation or hope. 
when the immeasurable riches of Christ are offered. Things like peace, like, like true peace. Knowing that a God who is the author over all of creation is good and sovereign and loves you more than you love yourself, that brings peace. Hope, joy, love, not lust. Joy, not happiness. Things that are lasting, not fleeting. And they're offered in Christ, graced by him, because he desires to reveal the immeasurable riches of his grace to the world. And when God wants to do something, he'll do it. And if we don't see it, that's not on him. That's on us. It's you. It's not, right? There's a quote by C.S. Lewis, a beautiful author. If you haven't read any of his books, again, I highly encourage you to, to go check out some of his stuff. Uh, but he has this, this great quote. It's, it's quite famous. He says, it, said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Think about it. God wants to unveil and show the immeasurable, immeasurable, like they, they have no end, the immeasurable riches of his grace in Christ Jesus. And we settle for less. We settle for like the junior varsity version, the broken version of this world that sells you lie after lie after lie. God's like, no, you want to know why you can believe me? Because of this weekend. I mean, if you're here and you're not a Christian, and I know from a distance, you're like, you're telling me that God became man. He worked his way down here. He never made a bad decision, never hurt anyone, lived a perfect life, that whole deal. That people hated him for that and killed him for that. That his death was marked by the covering and the throwing of every sin that has ever been committed, being committed today or will be committed, was all poured out on him, Okay? That he was crushed and defeated, killed, crucified, put into a tomb, and raised on the third day, and then ascended to heaven after giving a mission to the church. Like, you want me to believe? Yes. That's the story. What's phenomenal about the Christian story, and I don't know how much all of you studied world religions, right? But if you go and you study all world religions, you'll find one difference to Christianity that I find significant. Every world religion is going to tell you, hey, Climb this ladder, right? It's going to say, hey, do these things, achieve this, five pillars, right? Uh, be silent enough, deny enough, do this enough, and then you get God or you get a version of him. Christianity, the only religion in the world that says, you couldn't, so I came to you. Like, you, you couldn't get to me. Like, it, you couldn't achieve that. So instead, I came down into your world and into your mess. And that's what we celebrate this weekend. For those of you struggling with the, the holiday at the sea stuff, that just means vacation, okay? Okay? Do we have those, uh, we have those next slides? Those uh, LaCroix pictures, we have those? Did you get those in there, JD? Are they in there? Can we throw up that first one? No? All right. I'm going to give it a read. 
Yeah. I, I said it. Okay. I know, I know like half the non-Christians in the room that came for a visit are like, I love LaCroix and I'm never coming back. Um, <laughs> listen, choosing the things that this world offers, this one I want to stick with you. It's like choosing a LaCroix over a Mexicoke. Okay? Come on. Let me, get some, let me get some praise in the house of God this morning. Okay? Why? Because LaCroix tastes how a scratch and sniff snicker smells the 19 times you scratched it. Okay? Let's get hit with the next one. LaCroix coconut tastes like when you were a kid at the beach and your mom was putting the spray sunscreen on your brother and some of it wafted over and got in your mouth. Okay? Okay? That's what the world offers. Okay? That's not my king. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Next. Let's see the next one. This is excellent. Okay. Uh, what else we got? Here we go. Um, this is a little bit smaller. I'll read it for you. LaCroix tastes like the only soft drink they'd allow a dystopian future where no one is allowed to have emotions. Okay. Um, this one's a little vulgar. I apologize. But LaCroix tastes like someone ate a fruit salad and then burped into your water bottle. Okay. Let's keep going. I want you to know the depth of the depravity of the world. Um, I feel like LaCroix is what juice would taste like to a ghost. Okay, oh, I actually can't see that one. So let's just go to the next one. It was probably funny too. Okay, number eight. Uh, Cran raspberry LaCroix tastes like your office mate is putting on lotion, right? Which is just, that's true. LaCroix tastes like when your actual drink is still buffering. And then, and then last but not least, uh, LaCroix is the kale of the beverage world. Okay, so um, come on. So, big shout out to Anthony who showed me all of those. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, it's Easter, so we do stupid stuff like that, okay? Now, hear me, okay? Because this is, it could get silly, but I want you to really hear me. Now, whether or not you like LaCroix or you like a Mexico is irrelevant to what I'm trying to come across with right now that the amount of flavor that is in a LaCroix is not the amount of flavor in God's favorite drink, Mexico, okay? Okay? It's just not, right? Like, you drink it, and I actually like LaCroix, but you're like, where's the rest, okay? And I'm trying to illustrate if I can, and we went over and over and over, and everything I want you to know is that when you leave here, it's great. Listen, we all come to church on Easter Sunday, we listen, and we learn, and we can have some laughs, and we celebrate, and we're going to sing some more songs. We're going to respond. And if you're going to leave here, and it's just a world of LaCroix out there, if you know what I'm saying, okay? Like, it's a world of cheap knockoffs. It's a world that's telling you, have this, pursue this, buy this, achieve this, get this, get her, get him, etc., 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 and leave God behind. It's the kingdom without a king. Okay. And what I, want, what I want to try, if I can, just in the limited time that we have all together, is just to say, Jesus is just so much better. He's just so much better. Peace, joy, hope, love. And hear me, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to like lie to you, right? Like the experience of a Christian isn't just like this Life is great, and we all got great stuff, and we own the best stuff, and our businesses always thrive, and you know, that's not the way this world works. Humanity is all subject to the brokenness of this world, but the beauty of those in Christ, the beauty of what this weekend accomplished is that in the midst of that brokenness, 
there's still peace. There's still joy. There's still hope. And I won't lie to you again. Not every Christian in the room could say that to you right now. Okay? We have lots of brothers and sisters here this morning that I know, that I love dearly, that are wondering where the peace is. And so I, I don't want to lie to you. Like It's not like it's just this always easy to find thing. There's some people in the room that are experiencing depths of brokenness and pain that I don't understand. But in the midst of that, there is hope, even when we don't see it, because of what's been accomplished this weekend. And that's why we're saying, listen, don't just let this be the hour and a half you do the God thing. He wants to offer so much more. He wants to take all of this and make it beautiful. So let's land here as we finish up, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> with verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. How do we access everything we've been talking about today? Faith. That's it. Again, like, listen, there's, there's no ladder to climb. I'm not giving you rules. It's not, hey, you better be here next week or God won't love you, okay? You better read your Bible more or God won't love you. No, it's, not, it's none of that. It's, it's faith. It's belief in what he's done, okay? Romans 10.9, another letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the mechanism. I am the gate. I am the entry. It's Christ. And so across the room this morning, there are tons of different people, right? Different ages, backgrounds, stories, colors. There's just a ton of different people in the room. But, let me say this, and this weekend has implications on everything, okay? What Christ did has implications on all the world, on life, right? On justice, on pain, on depression, on joy, on all of it, right? God, God what's happened this weekend, it informs absolutely every part of this world. But for the sake of the text, there's truly, in light of this, there's two groups in the room this morning. There's a group in the room that has been reconciled to their loving Father. That were lost, that longed for Him, but sometimes didn't even know how to get there, but have been reconciled in faith because of what we remember today. And then there's a group here that is not reconciled with God. That is distant from Him. Sometimes by choice, sometimes by happenstance, whatever it is, I would say probably all times at a certain level by choice. Not reconciled with a God who has given up his own life that you would be with him again. And so I want to invite non-Christian, and we'll talk about the Christians just a moment, but I want to invite every non-Christian, and listen, I'm not the one who like sent out the invitation, I'm just kind of passing it along. Right, I got admin status. Every Christian has admin status on the Facebook group, the Facebook event, okay? 
if you're here and you're not a Christian, man, I, I, I just want to say it like, you should love Jesus. He came into this world from heaven, perfect. Came into all this mess. He didn't choose to come as a king riding in on a, you know, a chariot or elephants or anything like that. No, he came in born in a manger, humble, to come in from underneath to show his love to the world. And then every moment of his entire life, he chose to love and to show grace and truth. All the while, us, humanity, tried to destroy him. Mocked him, beat him, scorned him. And so Good Friday happened. And everyone thought it was over then, but it wasn't. Because today happened. What I'm asking you to believe in is not some crazy religion, okay? I'm asking you to believe in a man who happens to be God that died for you, that you would know your father again. I'm asking you to fall in love with that guy because that is what Christianity is. It's a falling in love with Jesus and then doing that which he has said. And that, that brings us to the Christians in the room. Again, man, we average like probably... 300 and something people on a Sunday, there's a handful more than that in here. Now, here's what that means. That doesn't mean you need to be here next Sunday, Christians. My only imploring to you is um, that you try and be like Jesus. Because if you truly believe it and he truly raised and your life is truly new, then go and live that new life in this world because the world needs it. We can't be people that believe what we say we believe and sit on the sidelines of humanity as it hurts. We need to be involved in everything. We need to care about it all. And what's great about it is I don't need to care about it all, right? Eric doesn't need to care about it all. Taylor doesn't need to care about it all. We need to care about it all. Not just we here at Redemption, but over at every other one of our brothers and sisters that reside and gather today in our city to worship and praise God. We need to care about it all. And so if you're here and you're a Christian, my imploring to you is, man, be in a community that's going to help you do that. Because today is true, and if it's true, that has to change some things for us. The resurrection turned the entire world on its head. And changed absolutely everything about the way things were done here. And we're still trying to live it the right side up. We need to start living upside down lives that don't make a ton of sense to the principalities of this world and to the cultures of this world. But live lives that say, why in the world would that church, would those people sacrifice all of that for me? And the simple answer is Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. It's always um, a pleasure to talk about 
you, Lord, especially on a day like this where we just remember. We remember what you've done, what you've sacrificed, and God, how you just longed for us to be with you. God, thank you for saving us, for raising us, and gracing us with the immeasurable riches of your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would continue to write a story here in our city, a story of redemption and restoration, of peace, of hope, of love, like true love, that your church would love the way you've loved us. That means that we lay it down for the sake of those around us. God, I, I confess my own, you know, my own pride and my own insufficiencies, Lord, in the midst of it all, Lord. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you just continue to teach us and to shape us. And Lord, I do, lastly, I just want to pray, God, for any who are here today, God, that have, that have come asking questions, that have come because a friend promised brunch, whatever it may be. God, if they're distant from you, that you would draw them in and close that gap. That all the things that have existed to kind of keep them far from you, whether it be barriers put up by others or barriers put up by themselves, Lord, I pray that you would burst through those and reveal yourself now in the way you've revealed yourself to so many, literally billions across history, that you've revealed your truth to, that you came and you lived and you died and you rose to win back that which was lost. And Lord, would you win those who are far and lost today and bring comfort and love and peace and hope and joy and goodness and kindness and grace and mercy and salvation. What a weekend, Lord. The things that motivate and move us to be here this morning that will motivate us to sing and to praise. God, would they motivate us this afternoon as we go into our towns? As we seek to love our families and our kids and our wives, we seek to love our coworkers and our best friends and our roommates and our neighbors and our classmates. We seek to, God, love this city or whatever city we call home, God. May we not forget why we gathered here this morning because you're alive and you have made us new to be you to the world. We can never repay you, Lord, and that's the whole point. But God, might we fight and will we pursue to try in the way that we serve, in the way that we love, in the way that we honor you with our lives. Knowing full well, God, I will fail, we will fail, but Lord, we will live in your mercy and grace that you have given us once and forever as new people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to take, uh, give you guys a couple minutes just to reflect on God's word in just a moment. But like I said, I want to finish reading the story from the Jesus Storybook Bible. As we began it on Friday, we ended with this line. <laughs> but just to be sure, they sent strong soldiers to guard the tomb that Christ was in. They hauled a huge stone in front of the door to the tomb so that no one could get in or out. Jesus' friends were sad. They would never see their best friend again. How could this happen? Wasn't Jesus the rescuer? The king God had promised. It wasn't supposed to end like this. Yes, but whoever said anything about the end, just before sunrise on the third day, God sent an earthquake and an angel from heaven. And when the guards saw the angel, they fell down with fright. And the angel rolled the huge stone away, sat on top of it, and waited. At the first glimmer of dawn, Mary 
Magdalene and other women headed to the tomb to wash Jesus' body. The early morning sun slanted through the ancient olive trees, drops of dew glittering on leaves and grasses with little tears everywhere. The friends walked quietly along the hilly path through the olive groves until they reached the tomb and immediately noticed something odd. It was wide open. They peered through the opening into the dark tomb, but wait, Jesus' body was gone. And something else, a shining man was there with clothes made from lightning. Don't be scared, the angel said, but they couldn't help it. They screamed anyway. And the angel asked them, what are you doing here? This is a tomb, and the tomb is for a dead person. The woman couldn't speak. Jesus isn't dead anymore. He's alive again. And their hearts leapt. And the angel laughed with such gladness that they felt for a moment as if they'd woken from a nightmare. He is risen. We're going to move into a time of re- <clears throat> response now. We respond in a number of ways here. And response is so important to us because we just got done hearing how good God has been to us, how good Jesus has been to us. And so we get to respond to that. We don't just have this religious relationship with God where we're just doing things. Um, we actually have a relational relationship with God where we get to interact with him and know him. And so we respond in a number of ways. The first thing we do is we sing, and we're going to be singing songs about how we get to stand in Christ alone and how much he loves us and how we've been saved by grace, all part of the Easter story. The next thing we do is we give of our offerings. There's an offering box at each of the entrances in front of that little hallway there. We as Christians believe that Christ, is, that Christ has given us everything, and that's why we give back. We want to further the mission of Jesus in this city. And so if you're here, you're not a Christian, please don't feel obligated to give. This is something that we as Christians do as an act of worship and praise of God. The next thing we do together is we take communion together. Communion communion is a reminder that Jesus' body was broken and that his blood was shed 
for you and for me. And that's how he saved us. And when we take communion, we can actually take time to remember that. We can t- because of the resurrection, we get to remember that even though our bodies weren't broken and our, what, our blood wasn't shed, we get to share in that with Christ. Like Christ did that as a substitute for us. And so as you take communion today, there's, there's a lot of people. Take your time. Don't feel like you have to get in line right away. But make sure it, it is a moment where you remember that Jesus' body is broken as you break the bread. That you remember that Jesus' blood was shed as you dip it in the wine or the juice. And then finally, we'd love to pray with you about anything you need prayer for. There will be people up front on the side over here and up front on this side as well. And we want to pray with you about anything that you need prayer for. If it's something small or something huge or everything in between. Maybe this church thing is new to you and you're like, I do want to get to know Jesus more. I encourage you to go up and ask for prayer. So let's respond now.